Amen. You can be seated this morning. It's great to have you here with us this morning at Grace Church. And, uh, you know, it's really incredible to uh, be up here playing the drums. Your pastor plays the drums, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. I'm getting some serious echo. Um, but it's man, it's your mojo. It's, it's, it's too much it, mojo in your mic right now. It's incredible, though, to hear your voices singing in worship to God. Man, it's just a, it's fun. It's an incredible experience. This morning we are in week two of our series called Generosity. And the title of the sermon this morning is The Spirit of Mammon. And uh, we're going to be looking at some scriptures in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. But I wanted to, to answer the question of why are we talking about generosity? Why are we talking about this? Why do we have to talk about giving at church? It's one of the most... Like people, that's what they think about church. And they say, I don't want to go to church because all they talk about is giving. And here I am talking about giving. Seems crazy, right? Consider this with me for just a moment. There are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer. There are nearly 500 verses in the Bible concerning faith. But there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. Clearly, from the Bible standpoint, we need to understand money. And we need to understand how to handle money. Last Sunday, I made a strong statement in the sermon, and I said this. I said, American Christians are not generous people. A couple years ago, it was estimated that the body of Christ in the United States earned $5.2 trillion. The total amount given in that same year to ministry-related causes, which included churches and missions and other ministry-related things, in the United States was $92 billion. So the amount given, if you do the math, the amount given was 1.7% of the amount earned. Church, that's why I can boldly say that American Christians are not generous people. And we wonder why so many churches are closing their doors. In our country, people, our country, Churches are closing their doors right and left. And you know what the number one reason is? Finances. The churches aren't making it. The pastors are resigning because they say, I, I, can't, I can't do this. It's finances. This is an important topic for us to talk about. This is an important subject matter for us to understand, for us to grasp, for us to get a hold of. So this weekend... We're going to talk about breaking the spirit of mammon. The scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The battle is not against you and me. It's not against humans. It's not against the police. It's not against African Americans. It's not against China. It's not against Russia. It's not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. It's a spiritual fight. It's a spiritual battle. 
And this morning, I want to introduce you to one of those principalities. And its name is Mammon. The word Mammon is in the Bible only four times. It's only mentioned four times. Jesus uh, himself used it three of those times. It's in the Bible four times. Jesus himself used it three times. One of those times is in Matthew, and the other time is in Luke. But it's the same sermon. Remember, the gospel is four different perspectives on, on the same scenario. Okay, It's like seeing a car accident, and you get four eyewitness perspectives. That's what the gospel is. Uh, the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we see it in Matthew, we see it in Luke, but it's the same sermon. And we're going to look at it at, in both references uh, so we can see all the times that we know of that Jesus used this word. So let's start with Matthew 6 and verse 24, and then we'll look at the reference in Luke. Matthew 6, 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now let's go to Luke chapter 16, and, and let's begin reading in verse 9. And it says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they, now remember the word they, okay, it's not it, it's they, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And then verse 13 is a repeat of the verse we just read in the book of Matthew. It says, no servant, which means not even one, no one, no person. This is really, un, it's really important that we understand this. No person, no one, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. These are the words of Jesus Christ. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is the only phrase like this in the Bible where Jesus contrasts serving God with serving something else as clearly as he does. You cannot serve. You cannot do it. No one can do this. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. And since he said that, we need to know what mammon is. What is mammon? What is the spirit of mammon? Most people would say that mammon is money. But the picture of, that Jesus paints for us is much deeper than that. So, the word mammon is an Aramaic word, which means riches. Okay, But it comes from uh, the Syrian god of riches. I don't believe Jesus was simply referring to money. 
I believe he was referring to a false god that they knew. He was speaking to this group of people who were worshiping a false god, a Syrian god called Mammon. The Syrians worshipped this false god named Mammon, and it was the god of riches. Now let me tell you where it came from. The word Mammon came from Babylon. A lot of people don't know where Babylon came from. If you look at the first part of the word, uh, it's Babel, right? Babylon. The first part of the word is Babel. Babylon came from the Tower of Babel. We know the story in the book of Genesis. That's where Babylon came from. And if you ever want to know what the word Babylon means, just say it a little bit slower. Babel-on. Babel means confusion. Someone just talks and talks and talks and you can't really follow what they're saying. You don't really know what they're saying and they just keep talking and talking and you see their mouth moving and you see their lips moving but you don't understand anything they're saying. Like, don't look at anybody right now, okay? Don't do that. You just know what I'm talking about. That's Babel, that's confusion. The word Babel means confusion and when we add the suffix on... It means sown or planted. So the word Babylon means sown in confusion. Sown in confusion. It started in confusion. The Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11 was a system where they believed that they didn't need God. We don't need God. We can do this on our own. We can do this. I got this. We can build this tower. Who needs God? They believed they could get to heaven on their own. On their own energy, on their own works. They believed on their own they could reach heaven. They could get high enough to reach heaven. That is what the spirit of mammon is. That we don't need God if we have riches. If we have money. It is a spirit that is in direct opposition to the spirit of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. The spirit of mammon is an arrogant, prideful, I can do it on my own, and I don't need God spirit. The Spirit tries to replace God in your life. He wants to rule your life. Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, mammon is looking for servants. He wants people to serve Him. Mammon wants to rule your life. Mammon wants you to look to it instead of God. Now here's the problem. Many of us, We grew up looking to mammon, and we didn't even realize it. We didn't even understand it. Jesus makes this statement, you cannot serve both. He says, you will be loyal to one, and you will despise the other. Okay, it's real simple. You will be loyal to one, you will despise the other. You cannot serve both. Now, I want you to think about this. There is a a teaching out there that we call the prosperity gospel. Okay, it's, it's a false gospel, church. It's basically give and you'll get, give and you'll get, 
give and you'll get. And God wants to bless everyone with lots of money. God wants to give you a Mercedes. God wants to give you a Rolex if you just give right now. All right? That's the prosperity gospel. And the problem with that message is it works selfishness and greed into your life instead of out of your life. It's it's a mammon message. Here's the problem. You become loyal to your riches when something breaks or something goes wrong in your life, especially when something goes wrong in your life financially. Many of us have done this. Something has gone wrong in my life financially, and the first one I curse, the first one I'm mad at is God because I'm loyal to mammon. I'm loyal money. I I think my money's going to solve my problems. When something breaks, something goes wrong financially in our lives, we despise God, we get mad at God, and the reason we get mad at God is because we're loyal to mammon. The verse said, if you're loyal to mammon, you'll despise God. So my Mammon promises us things only God can give. Mammon promises promises us identity, security, significance, happiness, joy. And all those things are only given to us by God. Only God can give us those things. Listen, only God can give us peace. Only God can truly help us to understand what love is. Only God can give us joy. Only God. Mammon can't do it. Mammon never delivers on its promises. Mammon wants to rule your life. You cannot serve both God and mammon. This may come as a, a, as a shock to some of you, but mammon is the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist doesn't rule with the threat of nuclear war, The spirit of Antichrist rules with the threat of not being able to buy and sell. That's mammon. If you don't bow to me, if you don't take the mark of the beast, you won't be able to provide for your family. You know, all through our lives, mammon is trying to get us to bow to worship mammon, to serve mammon. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. God is the only one who can provide everything you need. God is the only one who can provide identity and security and happiness and peace and joy and love. Only God can do those things, but mammon says, I can do it. Mammon will say, if only you had more money. If only I had more money, people would listen to me. People would listen to me. People would respect me. If only I had the right clothes. If only I had those Air Jordans. I still couldn't dunk a basketball. You know? If only I had the right car. If only I had the right house. If only I had more money, I would be happy. If you had more money, you think to yourself, I would have a better marriage. 
Here's the big lie. Here's the real big lie. If only I had more money, I could help more people. If I had more money, I would be more generous. If I had more money, I could bless more people. Church, can I just say that money doesn't help people? God does. God does. Jesus never told anyone in all of his ministry, Jesus never said that he needed more money. Never did a leper, never did a lame man, never did a blind man say, have mercy on me, son of David. And Jesus turned around and said, ah, you just need more money. That's what you need. You don't need sight. You don't need to walk. You don't need the leprosy healed. You need more money. He never said that. Not once. We've all been influenced by the spirit of mammon. We've all had this thought. I either need God to come through in my finances, I either need God to come through, or I need someone to give me some money. And if someone would give me some money, then we say, I'm okay, God. I'm good now. I don't need you. I don't need you. I'm good. I got it covered. My problem's been solved, God. I don't need you because I got some money. Listen, if money can fix a problem, it's not a problem. If money can fix something, it's not really a problem. And I say this in love, church, but we really have no clue what problems are. If money is a if money can fix it, it's not a problem. If money cannot fix it, now we're starting to understand what a problem is. Something that cannot be fixed with mammon. It cannot be fixed by just writing a check. It cannot be fixed by, you know, Uncle Joe who gives you this large inheritance. That's not a problem. And if money can't fix it, God can. Money is not the answer to your problems. God is always the answer to your problems. So let's let's talk about true riches. Let's try to understand what true riches are. Let me ask you, is money evil? Is money evil? You can talk back. I encouraged you last week. Okay, yes, no, no. Is money evil? Okay, let's see if you're right. Because Jesus said, unrighteous mammon. Okay, mammon is a spirit. If mammon is not a spirit, how come it can talk? If you start to give an offering, I bet you'll hear voices. If you start to be generous to someone, I bet you you'll hear some voices that say, don't do that. You're going to be taken. You don't want to be taken advantage of. You don't want to give. Mammon is a spirit that rests on money. All money has a spirit on it, by the way. It either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of mammon on it. All the money in your account right now 
either has God's spirit on it or it has the spirit of mammon. We talked last week about how you can get God's spirit on your money. If you give your first fruits, remember the rest is blessed. If you keep God first in your heart, that's what it's about, church. It's a heart matter. If you keep God first, the spirit of God is upon you. When you give your first 10% to the house of the Lord, He redeems the rest. And He redeems it out from under the spirit of this world, which is the spirit of mammon. Money is not evil. Okay, Money is neutral. Money is not evil. Money is neutral. Money can be used for righteous, uh, righteousness or it can be used for unrighteousness. You can do good with money or you can do bad with money. Some people say, well, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6.10. Back in Luke 16, verse 9, it's a difficult verse that many of us don't understand, and I want to try my best to help us understand this this morning. Okay, I've wrestled with this many a times, and I have to be honest with you, I have not understood this verse, this verse, and I've wrongly understood this verse, but I believe God has given clarity on what this verse means. Luke 16, verse 9, it says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. What is he talking about there? That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Okay? I, I've misunderstood this verse for the longest time. See, I thought that unrighteous mammon was money. I thought it was saying, do favors, you know, bless, do favors for people, and then when I get into a bind, they'll do favors for me. That's what I thought it was referring to. Make friends with your money. Oh, man, that's, that's awful. What he's actually saying is, take this unrighteous mammon, and redeem it, okay? Redeem it by giving the first 10% to the house of God and use the money that Satan uses for evil. You use it to build the kingdom of God and people will be saved. People will be redeemed. They will become your friends. They will become your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says, when you fail, that word fail means when you die. When you die. They, people who have come to Christ because you gave to the kingdom, they will welcome you into your eternal home. There will be people in heaven, church, there will be people in heaven who welcome you and say, I am here because you gave. I'm here because you gave. A missionary came to us and he brought the gospel and the only way that missionary could get to where he or she was needing to go was because you supported them. You gave to them so they could go and they brought the gospel to us. I am here because you gave. I found out that there were 25 people who supported that missionary and if you hadn't supported that missionary... I wouldn't be in the kingdom today. 
That's, that's what Jesus is talking about. God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into saved souls. Gosh, what you give through your local church, what you give to missions, it advances the kingdom of God. It blesses people. It helps to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what true riches are. What what are true riches? True riches are redeemed souls. That's what true riches are. True riches are people. Okay, everybody just, because it seems like it's a little heavy, everybody just look around at everybody around you, okay? All right, everybody look around. Make sure you're not picking your nose. All right, look around. When you look around this room, you're looking at the only thing that's going to last for eternity. Not the bodies, the souls. People are the true riches. People are the true riches. When I was in college, I had a, I had a friend who uh, would always make comments. You know, we would be driving maybe to church or to an event or something, and somebody would say, man, look at that house. That's sweet, you know? And he would just say, it's going to burn. You know, we would like, we'd see this nice car drive by, and it's like, man, look at that ride. That's awesome. You know, it's so cool. It's going to burn. That was like his favorite saying, it's going to burn. You know, he's right. And sometimes we get so focused, trying to lovingly challenge this church, sometimes we get so focused on the things that are going to burn that we forget about the true riches. And that's people. Because those not going to burn. Well, unless you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. This is so important for us to understand. Let me say it another way. Heaven is being populated and hell is being plundered by our offerings. I, I guess I just don't want us to take it lightly, church, when we give. I Trust me, I do not take sacrifices of offerings, the sacrifices that you give. Do not take it lightly. It is a it is a spiritual act when you give an offering. Spiritual act. God is taking unrighteous mammon that we give and he turns that into true riches. Remember, true riches is people. Lastly, this morning, I have to remind you that mammon has friends. Other spirits tend to run with the spirit of mammon. They run in the same circle, especially when it comes to wealth, especially when it comes to giving or handling your finances. Mammon's closest friends are the spirit of pride and the spirit of poverty. Okay, so what what is that? Let's talk about the spirit of poverty first. The spirit of poverty will cause you to be ashamed of the blessings of God in your life. Being a generous person, what happens is when you're generous, God blesses generosity. It is the good life. You know, God blesses that generosity. The devil can't stop it. He blesses the generosity, and he can 
he, he can't stop that blessing, but what he can do is he can try to make you ashamed of the blessings of God in your life. I've seen the spirit of poverty affect both the poor and the wealthy. So the spirit of poverty shows itself by causing us to be ashamed or causing us to feel guilty about being blessed by God. So, church, I encourage you, don't allow the enemy to make you ashamed of God's blessings in your life. Don't allow that. If the, if the enemy can't give you with the, uh, with, with the mentality of poverty, he'll try the opposite approach, and that is the spirit of pride. Okay, Pride says, I've earned all this stuff. I earned this stuff, and I deserve it. I deserve it. That's the spirit of pride. Man, it was my hard work. It was my talent. It was my brilliance. <laughs> my brilliance. That made all this happen. That's the spirit of pride. Both the spirit of pride and the spirit of poverty gets us to focus on stuff. Gets us to focus on stuff rather than focusing on God. So we become more focused on the blessing rather than the blesser. We become focused on the stuff rather than the one who blessed us with the stuff. So let me give you some real-world examples of how these spirits manifest themselves so you can discern their attacks in your life. Let me ask you, how do you respond when someone compliments your outfit? Or maybe a watch that you're wearing, you know? When someone compliments. Pride says, in regards to a watch, it's imported from Europe. Oh yeah, sweet, I know. Poverty says, this old thing, I got it from Target. Right? The spirit of pride tries to make people think that we paid more for things than we really did. And the spirit of poverty always wants people to think that we paid less. We're ashamed to say that we have something nice or that we took, you know, our, our wife to a nice dinner. Or We're always ashamed and we're always trying to talk those things down in the spirit of poverty. Poverty feels the need to justify purchases and possessions because it equates blessing with evil. It causes you to say, I can't let you think that I spent very much money on this or that because it would mean that I'm not spiritual. Because you know, in order to be spiritual, you, you have to be poor. Do, do you see the trap, church? Do you see the trap? And you know, honestly, as a pastor, I have really struggled with the spirit of poverty. But I had to learn that God never speaks to His children through guilt or condemnation. So many of God's people feel as if they must explain the presence of anything good or anything nice in their lives. Or if anyone complimented me, I felt like I had to justify it. But then God, like a loving father, said, Listen, son, you're honoring me. You're honoring me with your first fruits. You gave back what was mine, your first fruits. And I give you the other 90%. That's yours. I'm giving it back to you. 
you want to take your wife to a nice dinner, take her to a nice dinner. As long as you're not going into debt, man. <laughs> take her to a nice dinner. It's yours. I'm, I'm giving it back to you. Church, listen, you don't have to justify your purchases to anyone but God. If God gives you peace about buying something, don't, man, don't worry about what anyone else thinks. God doesn't care if we have stuff. He cares if stuff has us. That's what he cares about. God wants us to go after him. And it's the heart that matters. It's a heart matter, church. So in closing this morning, let me ask you, how do you know where your heart is at? How do you know? This morning, I, I just want us to do a little self-evaluation, a little self-test to kind of know where your heart is at. So let me ask you a couple questions, and you can use the lines if you got one of those inf information sheets when you came in. You can use the lines at the bottom of that to write some stuff down, to write your answers. But let me ask you a couple questions. The first question is, are you looking to God, or are you looking to people to meet your needs? That's a tough one. Can you see the peace that comes when you're like, God's, God's the provider. Man, great peace when you're looking to God for your provision. Do you get angry or resentful when people don't help you like you think they should help you? Is your dependency on God or is your dependency on people? These are all warning indicators for looking to men rather than to God as our source of provision. And, and when people look to men rather than to God to meet their needs, they're, they're, they're going to be ultimately disappointed. And then they're, they're going to become bitter because man will always let you down. God never fails. God says, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I won't leave you high and dry. I own a cattle on a thousand hills, and I own the hills. I got this. You looked up into the universe, man. I spoke that into existence. I got this. I got you covered. I got you covered. Let's evaluate ourselves concerning the spirit of pride and the spirit of poverty. When you think about your life situation, pride says, I deserve more. Poverty says... I should feel guilty. I feel guilty about this. But you know what gratitude says? Gratitude says, thank you, God, for your provisions. Thank you. When someone says, wow, you have a nice house. Pride says, yeah, we're going to build a bigger one. It's kind of small. Poverty says, it was a foreclosure. We, we didn't spend that much. Trust me, it, it, we didn't spend that much on it. Gratitude says, thank you. God has blessed us. When someone says, man, that's a nice car. Pride says, I got more where that came from. You should see my other car. Poverty says, uh, it's actually the company car. It's not even mine. It's not mine. It's the company. They're letting me use it. Okay? Don't judge me. Gratitude says, thank you. God has blessed me. 
See, pride wants people to think that we paid more than we really did. Poverty wants people to think that we paid less. And gratitude doesn't care what people think. It only cares what God thinks. Pride says, I deserve it. Poverty says, I shouldn't have it. And gratitude says, I received it by grace. It's God's blessing. You know, the way to break that spirit of mammon in your life is to remember. Remember that we were all slaves to sin. Remember the work that God has done in us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember the work that He's done in us. By grace, He saved us. And although we do work hard, it is God's blessings in our lives that produce anything good. I'm going to close with the message that God gave the Israelites before they entered into the promised land. And then I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you this morning. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, and verse 18, God said this to the children of Israel before they entered the promised land. And he said, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Man, all that we have, the very air we breathe, the strength in your arms, the strength in your legs, the mind he's given you, it's all from God. I'll, I'll close by praying, and I'm, I'm going to pray for those of us who have seen signs of the spirit of mammon in our life. Maybe we've seen signs of the spirit of pride, maybe we've seen signs of the spirit of poverty, and I'm going to pray for you this morning as we close. Dear God, please forgive us for being selfish, and prideful, and greedy, Often I think our re reluctance to, to give or to trust you with our first fruits is, is because we just don't trust maybe that you are good. We don't trust that you're going to keep your word. Father, please forgive us for listening to unholy spirits. The unholy spirits of mammon and pride and poverty. Lord, I ask that you would break those chains off of us. I pray that you would break them off of our families. I pray that you would break it off of our church. I pray that you would break it off of our descendants. Father, help us from this day forward to be generous because you have been generous to us. Father, you gave your son. Help us to be generous in return. Help us to be joyful givers to the kingdom of God. And Father, I pray that you would continue to turn that unrighteous mammon into souls. That it would continue to bless our missionaries. It would continue to advance the work here in La Plata County. Lord, you would turn that unrighteous mammon into saved souls. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Church, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, and it was an honor to have you. You are dismissed. <laughs>